1: Hello!
0: And welcome to Awesome Etiquette.
2: Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty.
0: On today's show, we take your questions on gifting cash, being the second choice for an invitation, wedding invitations that aren't clear about plus ones, and when to use the title of master. For
2: Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about asking a new boss about working from home.
0: Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on small
2: talk. All that's coming up.
0: Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And
2: I'm Dan Post-Senning. And Lizzie Post, I am so proud of you for being here today. I just have to say thank you. You are truly awesome.
0: Well, I wow. Fluff me up a little more. That's great. I like this. This is a good way to start a show. Thank you, cuz. Dan is referring to the fact that, uh, remember y'all last week how I was telling you on the show all the work I was going to get done while Dan was away at Star Island, which cuz I want to hear about in just a bit. I was so excited about getting to tackle our tip-a-day program and everything. And sure enough, on Monday (laughs) – I can, Monday, which was Monday, which was which was July fourth. I came down with COVID, and it was the the whole shebang. I had just a high fever, um, really bad lower back pain, and body aches. Luckily, meds kind of helped with the aches and the fever, but um, but that lower back pain, I had about two and a half days of that that just would not cease. And I've been really fortunate. It hasn't really dropped into my lungs heavily, but I have had really bad allergies on top of it. And the fatigue, oh my goodness, that is real. And it does, at least in my case, really feel different from a normal flu where like... Day five, you're really better and you're back to feeling like yourself again. Like Mm -hmm. this was, you know, you felt better, which it was so great to get my body temperature back to normal. That was a huge relief. But just exhausted doing a bunch of emailing like last Thursday just wiped me out. And so I've been kind of slowly building myself back up into into full form work shape. And yesterday was a big on camera day. I was on camera like three meetings in a row for about three and a half four hours, and whoa was I exhausted after <laughs> it all, <laughs> oh, man? It was it was tough, but the 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 vid finally found me, man. It got me.
2: <laughs> well, and not only did you do that sort of long on-camera day yesterday but you're showing up this morning ready to do mic time and that's why i really (laughs) wanted to acknowledge and appreciate because part of the reason we're really trying to do it this morning is i have house guests coming so i am out for the next couple of days on entirely personal business and i just (laughs) i I couldn't be more appreciative of you're willing to hit grab and dig and get this done Uh i i it's awesome, cause thank well, you.
0: It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It feels good to do normal things again a, a week and a half of like watching pretty much all the TV I could possibly watch, which I have found I'm a really big fan of European detective shows. Um, <laughs> it uh it, it's definitely really nice to engage my brain. and it's really great to be able to talk to you again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's another really good thing is that I really, I missed my cuz I missed hearing what you and the fam were up to. I missed talking about work stuff. We, um, Today, as we record, we are going to be uh, launching all of our pre-sale information about the 20th edition. And that's just an exciting moment for us. So it's really fun to kind of be back with you now that you're back from Star Island. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting couple of weeks, I'd say. And it all started off with actually getting to hang out with Brendan Francis Noonan of the Dinner Party Download. And that was awesome. It was, like, even more awesome than I anticipated it being. We had a really great time getting, getting like, drinks and appetizers and then going out to another restaurant that I love for dinner. And just such a cool guy. So much like the personality that you got to know on Dinner Party Download for those is Isn't
2: that, that, that the best?
0: It really was. It was really fun. So... Over on our Patreon, we're going to have up a little picture and um, also going to connect you to all the things that Brendan is up to right now. It was very cool to see where things were crossing over for us. And um, I really hope that we get to catch up with Rico soon. But it just reminded me of kind of where this show began and how and then you, cuz, reminded me of how long that that like relationship's mm-hmm. been going. This, we're over 10 years of knowing the DPD guys at this point what i can't believe it
2: pretty unbelievable
0: (laughs) it really is
2: i'll tell you i was i was really excited that you had a good time first of all that you were going to be hanging out with brendan and then that it went well and you had a good time with him when you mention the the length of time that this podcast has been running it reminds me of a little bit of housekeeping that i was hoping to go over with our audience which is that we are about to execute a transition. We're moving podcast hosts. And mm-hmm. yes, Woo-hoo. it should be something that's an absolutely seamless process for everybody who likes to listen to the show. But mm-hmm. it does involve some work on the back end. And as that happens, I figure an ounce of prevention's worth a pound of cure. If mm-hmm. there were any hiccups along the way, if our most regular and dedicated listeners knew that was happening, it might be worth alerting everybody that that's going on. And part of that process involves looking at the data that's built up over the last six years that we've been at our current podcast hosting platform and exporting and saving that data. So as you mentioned, it had me looking at the history of this show from the perspective of when Emily Post has been hosting it, or the Emily Post Institute's been hosting it. and Right, that also- since we
0: moved from Infinite Guest Network, right?
2: Got us thinking about our days with American Public Media and a couple of years that we spent there. And then the years before that, that we spent as guests on the Dinner Party Download and how that really was the the genesis of this show was that experience. And we hear from people that they've been listeners since the Dinner Party Download days. Yeah. And to think <laughs> that that really has been 10 years, over 10 years that we've been with some listeners answering etiquette questions is it's a really comforting thought to me in some ways (laughs) someone who who loves long-term relationships and values (laughs) loyalty and consistency i just it's it's really special for me it's i think an important anniversary to acknowledge even though it hasn't always been the awesome etiquette podcast there Mm -hmm. there are definitely listeners out there who have been doing this with us for 10 years at this point
0: It's awesome. It's really, really awesome. So thank you for being here with us. Thank you for sticking with us. It's definitely been a journey, and we are so excited to continue the journey.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. More to come. More to come. More to come indeed. And let's save some Star Island updates for next week, because we have some questions to get to, Lizzie Post.
0: We do have some questions. Are you ready? Should Should we get to the rest of the show?
2: Let's do it. All right awesome etiquette is here to answer your questions you can email them to awesome at EmilyPost.com. you can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND that's 802-858-5463 you can also reach us on social media on twitter we are at emily post inst on instagram we are at emily post institute and on facebook we are awesome etiquette just remember use the hashtag awesome etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show
0: Our first question is titled, Cash for a Kiddo. Hi, I've been listening to your show for the longest time, and I have enjoyed every episode. I do have a question for you guys. My daughter has been invited to her first birthday party. She is 11 months old, and the birthday girl will be turning one. They are almost the same age. I'm not that close to the family, but we have conversations occasionally since both our girls are just weeks apart. On the invitation, it says, and this is in caps, NO BOXED GIFTS. I'm assuming they have many toys and that they would prefer cash since it's their second child. How much cash should I give? How to present that gift? Should I do a Venmo or a gift card in an envelope? Do I write a card with that? Please help a new mom here. Thanks,
2: first time mom. Ah, first-time mom. Congratulations on a rite of passage entering the world of children's birthday parties. (laughs) Right, right. This is such a fun question, and... I call it a fun question because everything about kids' birthday parties should be fun. And not everything about kids' birthday parties will be fun, but we'll do our best to keep that, the focus and the intention behind them. Totally. Should we start, Lizzie, with the most common etiquette advice about direction around gift giving, particularly on invitations?
0: So typically on an invitation, there's no mention or direction about a gift, but with birthday parties the one that we sort of do uh, lean towards is a no gifts please. And the world of children's parties has really busted this simple etiquette apart, because Mm -hmm. we've seen Fiverr requests, we've seen books only requests, we've seen charity donation requests, we've seen all kinds of things that make it a little bit more specific. And that can start to feel a little Awkward, but no boxed gifts. I think is a really interesting one because I'm picturing like no and <laughs> this bring my brain back to the 80s and the gifts I got when I was a kid were like you know Barbies in that plastic and and cardboard box yeah. um, where it's like a pre packaged toy, but I think of something like a stuffed animal. As probably not in that no boxed gifts category. I don't know where something like a puzzle would fall, where it comes in a box, but it's not that sort of prepackaged thing, although it is prepackaged and you can see where it starts to get confusing. So. With that, I think it's important to recognize when you are creating an invitation that you really want people to be able to understand what it is you're talking about. And frankly, I still think one of the best ways to do that, if you're going to get this specific, is to do it by word of mouth when people are RSVPing to the party. Mm -hmm. That gets extra hard if the invitations are digital and we're not RSVPing to a phone number or something like that. And it leads me down this little path, Dan, of I think calling and asking the host what they mean if the designation isn't something that you understand very clearly is well worth the effort.
2: Absolutely. And I I like that approach, particularly if you're not feeling bothered or aggrieved by the request, but genuinely confused by it. And the caution around being prescriptive about what kind of gifts people give can can come from a couple of places on one side you don't want to be telling people what to do you want to let them decide what they want to give what makes them feel good yeah. to be getting and when you give too much direction it can it can bother people the other danger is that you're not clear about it. And it sounds like that's more what's going on here. It's created some confusion. Yeah. And like you, I'm reading the no-boxed gifts as a we don't want more stuff kind of request. So not necessarily
0: a cash request, yeah.
2: Exactly. And and maybe that stuffed animal isn't boxed, but maybe it's still in the stuff category. And now we're talking about genuine confusion that would be very easy to clear up if you're mm-hmm. comfortable asking making that call. It said no boxed gifts. What are are you, what are you meaning by that? Exactly. I want to be sure that I'm participating in the spirit of the event. Yeah. And you're right. I don't think it's necessarily a direct ask for cash. You could think of all kinds of things that you might do. Maybe it's a card that you decorate or that becomes a piece of artwork or that has a handprint from your 11 month old. Anisha would call her a zero year old. (laughs) That's adorable. (laughs) Um, or, Or maybe it's an opportunity to do some babysitting or to do something together, a special play date where you take the responsibility of organizing whatever the reserved table at the park that you like or something, something that's an experience that you're giving, even though they're one year olds that you're talking about here. But you would absolutely clear up all confusion, calling and asking, I also just think it's worth saying that it really is up to you that you can get anything that you want you could choose to ignore the gift direction i wouldn't recommend it but some people do some people have an idea in their mind there's something that they really want to do that they care about and while i would say to myself i wouldn't go that far it reminds me that ultimately it is a personal choice and it's something you get to decide about so if you do decide to go the route of giving cash It's really up to you to think about what would feel good and appropriate and right. And and that's an amount that you can decide on and feel good about whatever decision you make, because it really is your choice. And you're the person who's best equipped to make it.
0: Dan, in your life. Who are the types of people? and and this isn't necessarily a hard or fast rule. Um, and and certainly, I know your life doesn't dictate every single birthday situation out there. but who are the types of people you typically do get cash from when kids are this young? because it's not uncommon. I feel like for maybe relatives or people a little closer to the child to to like give to a college fund or something like that, right?
2: it's certainly an experience that i have on a pretty regular basis Mm -hmm. particularly puja's family's culture giving cash gifts is very common Mm -hmm. so it's often the case that when we come or go and we're meeting with relatives that you give each other a little something and oftentimes that's something physical that's just yummy like a box of mangoes or something like that but oftentimes (laughs) there's also a little envelope with a little bit of cash and it's um, a pretty common Indian tradition to give a little bit of money, and then you'll add just a small amount so that it breaks it up off an even number in some oh, way. Oh, so
0: like you add like $1 to a 20, so it's $21 or something uh, like that.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And okay. we opened a youth savings account for the girls, and we just put that money in there, and then when there are opportunities to do nice things for them, that's one way to, to have a something we can turn to that is, is from people that love and care for them and want to do nice things for them and. You could also think of that as the beginning of a college fund i think Mm -hmm. there's a very good chance that some of that money will be there when the girls are old enough and well the girls and the boy now are old enough to be making um, some of those choices for themselves i think it's a really nice thing to do for children to to set that up we also do a little piggy bank so that anisha can practice (laughs) and watch if there are smaller amounts she gets to practice saving herself and that's that's another way that you can engage with that gift Mm-hmm. in a way that that starts to connect it with the kids so that they feel that generosity very immediately in their life
0: and is it typically like your friends who do that or like like closer family members
2: more often family members mm-hmm. but it's also family and friends family and close friends yeah. sort of that that family inner friend circle. mix. exactly yeah 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 yeah, yeah. First time mom, welcome to the kids' birthday party club. It is such a fun thing to be a part of, and I think that you're going to enjoy it for many years to come. We certainly hope our answer helps, all the different ways we're talking about it, and that you don't feel boxed in in this situation.
1: Money should be something of value. The value should be obvious and uniform. Who but an expert knows what this fur pelt is worth? Out of such trying experiences, gold and silver... Emerged is the most durable, most convenient, most satisfactory money. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
2: Our next question this week is about a second invitee issue. When you invite someone to an event as a second choice, because the first person who originally agreed to go had to cancel, do you identify to the second choice person the name of the person whose place they are taking? I was the second choice and was given over a week's notice of the event. Personally... I'd rather I had not known so many details, as I often feel like I am the third wheel when I am included with both these two people. I look forward to hearing feedback, and maybe I will have stopped stewing by then, and I will know how to handle the situation if when I am either the inviter or the invitee. Many thanks, Laura.
0: Laura, thanks so much for the question. I like how specific you got, because... Typically, I I think when we've answered this type of question in the past, because that we've said, um, and this is what happens when you've been doing the show for this long, (laughs) you start to be like, how do we usually answer this? Has it changed now? But typically, we say that it's fine to tell the person, hey, I had a friend cancel last minute who was going to attend XYZ event with me, would you like to, to go? Would love to have your company. And I think that's pretty standard, just so that you're explaining the situation someone's walking into or why the invitation might be coming very last minute. But I'm not so certain that you need to say who the actual guest was going to be. The place where I think it would be obvious would be like if I was filling in a spot for Pooj, you know what I mean like it would be like if it was an obvious social event that a spouse or a a longtime partner would be invited to and included in and you were going to be replacing that person it might just happen to be very obvious that that's the person you're replacing but Mm -hmm. if I had tickets to like our UVM hockey game which you and I split tickets to with your brother and it was my week for the tickets and my buddy couldn't go with me and I was just you know calling around on that Friday or Thursday before the game and asking folks if they wanted to join me i don't think i'd feel the need to say oh well ben was gonna join me but he canceled last minute or he had to cancel you know i think i would probably just say hey i had a friend who was gonna use this and they didn't or i might just say hey i i found myself in a position with an extra ticket this week do you want to go but i don't know that you need to give the actual name
2: i would agree a thousand percent and i think it's a sliding scale the way the way you're describing that Mm -hmm. with over a week's notice i mean maybe if it's a a a, a super formalized event that requires a lot of planning and coordination that's a little short on time we don't know Mm -hmm. exactly what the event is right but for a lot of things that people get invited to a week's notice is plenty and i'm going back to the original tenets of good etiquette that ultimately Mm -hmm. it's about taking care of other people, making other people feel comfortable and at ease. And to me, there's something that happens all the time, very naturally, where we're thinking about what we want to do socially and who's available. And as long as it doesn't impact the person that you're inviting, I think that you don't necessarily need to And that it doesn't help them feel comfortable and at ease to go through all the machinations of your planning.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, actually, Mm -hmm.
2: there were six other people that I would have rather (laughs) done something with next weekend, but this couple's away and did it. But this event is happening and there were three people that could maybe have gone to that event. So I ended up choosing you because you were number two and the first. That's just not necessary. And if there's not a compelling reason to go through any or all of that, I I think that Part of good etiquette sometimes is not sharing every thought that goes through your mind, but just inviting mm-hmm. someone to go with you and, and taking that chance and that risk and hoping that they say yes and that you have a good time together. I think that the, the care that you're talking about where our answer has varied is that sometimes the nature of the invitation is one where a little bit of explanation clears things up. Mm -hmm. And it lets someone know that, yes, I'm giving you short notice, but it's for a perfectly good reason. This is a ticket that's usually taken by someone. They canceled at the last minute. And I'm really hoping to invite someone else or share it or make it available. And all of a sudden that that changes the nature of it to, oh, they don't care. They invited me last minute. That's really thoughtless to, Mm -hmm. oh, there's a, a situation here that makes sense why this invitation would be coming so late. Yeah, so it's it's more that I think you have to balance those things and think about them. And sometimes a little explanation is helpful and reasonable. And other times, it's unnecessary and extraneous. And this definitely sounds like it's closer to the unnecessary and extraneous side of things.
0: Yeah. Laura, I also just want to give you credit for the line of, I look forward to hearing back and maybe I will have stopped stewing by then. We can all get little bees in our bonnets, you know, over, over things. And I I appreciate the idea that that particular um, moment might pass naturally for you. So (laughs) smart. I appreciate that. That's really good. Good to be aware of. But I also really like how you're using this situation to think about how you can be a great host Um, or a great invitee, as you say, a great guest in the future. And hopefully our answer helps. And even more importantly, I really hope that you had a great time at the event. Thanks so much for the question.
1: This is one party that just has to turn out right. Well, the purpose of a party is to have fun together. And a successful party needs planning and skill. Whether it's a special carnival designed for gay entertainment, a birthday party, A holiday party, they all take planning, and they should all be fun.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: Our next question is titled, Plus One Problem. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Thanks so much for your work with the podcast. In times like this, when the news is too hard to bear, it's always good to have something to listen to that leaves me feeling upbeat and frankly, more hopeful for the fate of humanity. Smiley face. This seems like such a classic wedding etiquette problem, but I'm still not sure what to do. I have a friend who's getting married, and our mutual friend is trying to organize a few of us who were friends in college to stay together in a house. He says that the groom has told him that all the members of our group are getting plus one invitations. However, I received my invitation a couple days ago. Inside was a generic invitation, i.e. C and K invite you to their wedding, etc with no names on it. The mailing envelope was addressed only to me. I suspect this was an oversight. The groom only knows me and hasn't yet met my partner. Moreover, he and I don't even live together. I'm pretty sure that my partner really was meant to be invited, given what our mutual friend had said, But I know it generally wouldn't be considered good etiquette to ask the groom. Uh, the invitation was meant to imply a plus one, right? (laughs) He and I are close enough that I think I'd be comfortable asking very delicately what the intention was, explaining that I know extra wedding guests are costly, etc. And I know I could count on him, to be honest, if that really wasn't his intention. And I would totally understand. But what would you all do in this situation? Curious to hear your reactions. Thanks a bunch. Anonymous.
2: Anonymous, thank you so much for the question. And again, thank you so much for the detail. It's really helpful to have all the ins and outs. And it also makes me much more confident saying, I think you should call and have exactly the conversation that you outlined almost as a sample (laughs) script uh, (laughs) in the third paragraph of your question and I don't mean the sample script that's the funny one. The uh, uh. the invitation was meant to imply a plus one, right? Um, but everything that followed, I think that you you talked about the tone that you would use, the approach that you would offer, mm-hmm. that you would map out, that you're really comfortable with any answer. The only thing that I might add to it would be a mention that you had even heard through the grapevine yeah. that the intent was for everyone to have plus ones and... I think that you're in in really good shape to have that conversation, given how thoughtful you are in terms of your approach and the way you're thinking about talking about it. And even in your awareness that usually that's not a conversation that we would suggest having. Mm-hmm. But you've got to know the rules to know when and how to break them. And this seems like a perfect example of that to me. Yeah. There is one thing that I would parse just a little bit, and that's the yeah. the language, the description of... Your partner as a plus one. And it sounds to me like that's a pretty established relationship. And it's usually the case that when we talk about partners or spouses being included automatically on invitations, oftentimes that's someone who's married or people who have lived together, but it can also be people that are in established relationships. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't require that people live together. And if this partner of yours is someone that's a, a known entity, is part of your life in a way that it would be awkward to not invite them, I, I wouldn't necessarily call that a plus one omission. I would call that a serious partner omission or a long term partner omission. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't me, parse that uh, out with the groom necessarily yeah. <laughs> when I'm having the conversation, but it was the one etiquette distinction that I saw as I read the question where I thought there there might be room to think about it a little differently.
0: Yeah. For me, that particular part falls into that gray area where it's like the the groom hasn't yet met my partner and my partner and I don't live together. So I could easily see why the partner wasn't included, especially if the groom isn't as aware of the whole significant other established relationship kind of exception to the rule. Because I think a lot of people are familiar with, you know, I think etiquette rules from days of old and by days of old i mean even like 10 15 20 years ago the idea that oh well the cutoff is kind of if you live together or not or if you really know the partner well or something like that and and the know the partner well actually hasn't been a rule but people end up thinking that there are some rules out there that are hard and fast that maybe aren't quite as hard and fast as they really are. And this is one of those rules. And so um, I think it's really great on Anonymous's part to recognize these two things that the groom only knows me hasn't met my partner yet. And my partner and I don't live together. So I could see how this Could have come about this way. But even with those two things being in place, I still think asking is a great way to go. And like you, Dan, I was really impressed with Anonymous's willingness to accept any answer that comes and to to not be too put off if it's, oh, we actually realized we really couldn't give plus ones to everyone because some of those things might be where that consideration was coming from. Um, The only thing we don't know is kind of how established this couple is, you know, have they been dating for three months? Have they been dating for six months? Have they been dating for three years, (laughs) you know, and you just haven't met, which really does happen. And so I think it's, it's definitely worth that conversation with the groom. And just like Dan, I think that you already have a really good instinct for how to have that conversation in a way that makes it easy for any answer to be received well, and for you to know exactly what you are doing moving forward. And Dan, I liked your ad of putting in that, you know, as as the... Group that's trying to all arrange a house to stay in together was talking that there was an assumption that plus ones were happening for everyone in this particular group. And you are totally fine if that's not the case, but you did want to double check because you heard one thing and then the invitation presented another. And I think that no matter what, it sounds like this is going to be a really fun time. I mean, group of friends all in a house celebrating another friend's wedding, that's like. I feel like the stuff summer weekends are made out of. <laughs>
2: oh, my goodness. One of my absolute best, oldest friends got married just a, a week and a half ago. And Jessie. it reminded me, congratulations, Jesse, Ritvo, and Frediki. what fun weddings are. You <laughs> definitely get to a certain point in your life where it's the best party you could possibly be invited to anymore.
0: And
2: <laughs> um, I, I hope that everyone has an awesome time. But... I also really appreciated, Lizzie, your remembering and reminding me that planning a wedding's a big deal and it's not easy and we have all sorts of intentions and it's entirely possible that an early discussion between the groom and the person who's organizing this house included the honest intention to include plus ones for people and that you a stage was reached in the planning where maybe that wasn't possible. And yeah it's it's entirely reasonable and it's it's certainly something that could have happened that that was expressed at one point and ended up being something that they couldn't do and having that in your mind as you have this conversation about whether or not you've got a plus one is is a really good thing to have in the back of your mind in terms of how you receive that news whatever the answer is anonymous i hope that you're able to bring a plus one to this wedding if it works out and that no matter what happens, you have an awesome time. Choose your guests carefully. Plan invitations. Plan for
1: refreshments and entertainment. Then, practice to be a skillful host. Make sure the party is fun for everyone.
2: Our next question is about mastering the use of master. Dear Lizzie, with an IE, and Dan, I was recently writing a birthday card to a friend's child for his fifth birthday. It must be the summer birthday party season. (laughs) I went back and forth over how to address the card. Should I use master or not? Should master be reserved only for the most formal of occasions, such as a wedding? Or is it appropriate to use it on a birthday card? If so, at what age can master be used? I appreciate your thoughtful answers, and I hope to hear from you soon. Thank you. Wishing to Master, Master.
0: Wishing to Master, Master. I don't want to dash your your hopes and and wishes, but typically on a birthday card, this isn't a place I would put Master. It is more of a formal designation. I think if you were going to make the card something that was heavily formalized to to be fun and to play in that zone. And because it would be a little out of the box for a five-year-old's birthday, that that might be the way you do it. But then I would want to make sure the card, you know, had beautiful calligraphy on it and and like was decorated in a gorgeous way or that really played into the need to use a title like master. But I'm really stoked that you asked this question because master is a term that a lot of people struggle with because we have mister, right, for adult men, and we usually count that as somewhere in the in the age range of like 16 and older can use mister. But master was really reserved for younger boys. And in our old texts, I believe it used to say from like infancy to 10 years old, So what the heck do 10 to 15-year-olds do (laughs) for -hmm. a title? The gap. The gap years. The gap. And Dan totally knows where I'm going with this. In our newest edition of Emily Post's Etiquette, the centennial edition, we actually covered this. And it's one of the few places where we've ever gone out on a limb and really tried to suggest something new to fix this problem. When we would go to the stationery show in New York City, Back in pre-pandemic times, um, we really heard from a lot of stationers that this is something that that is problematic for them and frustrating for them. And some people don't like the term master. Other people just don't understand the whole age gap part of it and that, what you just don't have a title for boys 10 to 15. And so we went out on a limb and suggested that the term young mister could be a great replacement for boys- ages, as, as Anisha would say, zero to 15 or 16 when you start to hit that more adult range and mister really becomes appropriate. So you could do um, young mister and spell it all out, or you could do young and then the just the abbreviation, capital M, lowercase r, and a period. But I understand that that's not quite the problem you're having with this. It's more should you go for using the master. And to me, it's only really great for formal invitations to young men and that I would keep it in that zone unless I was going to get super playful with that birthday card and make it just fancy, fancy, fancy. Dan, what do you think? Did I do a good job? Did I steal steal all the, all the answers for this one?
2: You did steal all the answers. <laughs> the only thing that I can say is that there are definitely some people that operate in that playful space with yeah. our first little boy we definitely received a couple of things that were playing with the idea of there being a master in the house at this point, as opposed (laughs) to our young (laughs) misses. And I, I love the idea of young mister to me, it rolls off my tongue. It's an easy thing to say. And I love the, the universality of it that because Mm -hmm. there isn't a rule associated with it, that you can use it. In those years where I think you're more likely to encounter those occasions where you'd want to use a formal title, mm-hmm. I think that for for really young children, it's less likely they're going to be included in really formal events. Although it mm-hmm. happens, it definitely Weddings. happens. yeah, yeah. That there are certainly more occasions that start to emerge in junior high and high school where the possibility that you'll be invited to a formal event start to increase. And having an option, having a title that we can use for... I don't want to call them boys, young men, young adolescent men. men is is I think a really nice option to have on the table.
0: Wishing to Master Master, we hope that our answer has given you a few options and helps you to decide how to make this card really special for the five-year-old in your life. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to etiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or you can reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are the emilypostinstitute. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with any social media post so that we know you want your question on the show.
2: If you enjoy Awesome Etiquette, consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing that you help to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support.
0: It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we have feedback from Leah on tips on discount services. And that's not tips as in like good ideas. It's tips as in the actual gratuity you might pay on someone's discounted service. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I love your podcast. It really brightens my Tuesday. You don't know me, but I feel like we're friends. I've never written in before, but I really wanted to make this point. When tipping on a discounted service, make sure that only if you are tipping the person who gave you the discount can you tip on the discounted amount. If you're tipping someone else, please tip on the full amount. For example, if you're friends with the owner and she has one of her employees cut your hair for a discounted price – Tip the employee on the full amount. I remember how terrible it was as a waitress when I spent a lot of time serving friends of the chef or owner only to find most of the meal comped and making $2 for an hour of work. I also don't think it would ever be a problem to tip on the full amount, though, of course, not necessary. It's still a savings, and I think it also acknowledges that you appreciate the person providing the service and not just the cheaper price. Thanks for the advice, Leah. Oh, that's good feedback.
2: Leah, I couldn't agree more with my cousin. And when I was driving down to do the podcast, Lizzie and I were going over the script, and she told me that the feedback was about the question on tipping for a discounted service mm-hmm. and the words that came out of my mouth were, Ooh, I hope the feedback is that it's okay to tip the full amount on the discounted <laughs> service. If you want to, because I wouldn't want to tell someone who was receiving a discount, maybe as, as sort of a, uh, a way to enjoy a service they otherwise couldn't afford that they would be expected to tip a lot more, but that if it was something you felt you were capable of, it's a really nice thing to do. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's a great piece of feedback in that way and i also really liked your clarification about it being the person who's providing the service that you're tipping for who offered the discount that yeah. detail i think is a really important one to keep in mind and um i would like to amend our original answer and add <laughs> all of your feedback <laughs> to include to it, it.
0: <laughs> absolutely absolutely no it is it wasn't in my mind, the way the question was presented, it sounded like the person providing the service and giving the discount was the same person. But there, as Leah points out, there are lots of times where that might not be the case. And you want to make sure that that worker, if it's not the person who actually extended you the discount, that they do get tipped on the full amount of their time. And I thought that the restaurant example was really strong. Leah, thank you so much for your feedback.
2: And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next piece of feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette, And today's Postscript was inspired by a call that we had with our training community yesterday where we got talking about mix and mingle types of events and conversation skills and small talk tips. We thought we would return to that topic for today's Postscript and think a little bit about social mingling and how people get to know each other and exchange pleasant conversation early in a relationship. Lizzie Post, do you want to take us away?
0: Yeah, Dan, I, I really appreciated you jumping on board with this topic. It's, I feel like it's been a theme recently, both from some of you might remember I went to that reunion. I, I called it crashing, but I was an invited guest. <laughs> um, and have also just been, even when I went out with Brendan the other week, like really leaning on my small talk skills. And then we also did an interview with Vox about small talk. And is it boring? Is it ridiculous? Is it useful? And I always come down on the side of small talk is so useful and being comfortable engaging in small talk. I think of it as so nice. You and I are so often discussing heavy things at work, you know, um, what are we planning next at the business? Uh, what's, what's gonna be the way to make Emily Post grow? Things like that, that are, that are not
2: small talk. Challenging um, etiquette conundrums that yeah, involve people's personal lives. In
0: my family life and with my friends, I feel like, like we don't engage in that much small talk. You're hearing about people's problems. You're hearing about people's successes. You're here, but it's like more important conversation, you know? And I have found such relief in some of these small talk moments that I've been having lately because I can engage with them confidently knowing a few things about what makes for good small talk. And the big blanket statement that I want to get across is that for the most part, small talk. Topics don't have to feel boring. Rather than looking at them with that negative lens, I really choose to view them, and I know, Dan, that you do too, in a positive light, because they are so useful. And one of the things I think they really help with are... People who are experiencing social anxiety or feeling a little bit of nerves being in a situation where maybe they don't know the people around them that well and you're going to have to spend some time getting to know people or talking to folks. This is the perfect thing to keep in your back pocket is, you know what? We can talk about light topics. They don't have to get super serious. And I can still get to know someone on that light level because the situation doesn't warrant us knowing each other on deeper levels. Now, don't get me wrong. When I have been on airplanes and back when I used to travel a lot more for work, I loved those moments where you would have a really deep conversation with a seatmate or something like that. But I also think it's just as awesome to engage in the lighter side of that kind of talk and enjoy a, a pleasant exchange with a stranger that doesn't have to go deep and doesn't give a lot of information about your personal life, but you gain a little bit of knowledge about maybe a shared experience or someone's favorite sports team, or you get a great recommendation for a book or an awesome etiquette podcast, just saying. (laughs) like I feel like thinking about small talk as something we can use to our advantage that can help us be confident in situations where we might be a little bit anxious is a Really great way to use etiquette as a tool.
2: So let's start off by setting the table with (laughs) what are considered comfortable, safe, tier one topics of conversation, things that you can bring up almost anywhere with just about anybody. And My first go-to is the immediate shared experience, the thing that you're doing together in the moment or what was required of you to get there. So those are the conversations about the traffic on the way in or the meal that you just ate or the temperature in the room or what's going on outside the window or with those people over there. You can talk about all kinds of things that are just rooted in the thing that you're doing with the other person at the moment, or if you're not doing something with them, just the, the space that you're sharing, the experience that you're having together in the moment.
0: That's one of my favorites, by the way, because it's one that you taught me. It's, it's one of those that it was definitely a light bulb moment for me where I went, oh, duh, of course. <laughs> like <laughs> Talking about the food or the music or the atmosphere. That's so easy. <laughs> Like, I really happy the
2: groom looks right now. Yeah. (laughs) Really just just look around, take a deep breath. There's probably something going on that you could have a little exchange about and and open the door and and, and begin that conversation. There are other things that are also likely to be pretty safe topics, and they're the usual and I'll put air quotes around it, boring ones because there's no boring topic. But the weather, the traffic, the and those things can also be very exciting depending on what's going on. But um, pop culture, not the most salacious celebrity news that you can possibly imagine. But the the shared cultural figures and icons that we all know, Um, sports are another great one in that category, as long as you're not um, sort of digging in on a particular (laughs) rivalry or painful moment.
0: tech might be another one that you could go for, you know, like new, new and interesting tech that's out
2: there. And that starts to tip over into my third sort of general small talk category Mm -hmm. topic tip, which is have some things that you're just interested in that are relatively safe to talk about. Then we say hobbies or cultural interests, it can be fly fishing, it can be the opera, it could be the arts, it could be the sciences, particle physics, they're firing up the CERN (laughs) particle collider again. The web telescope pictures that are coming down are unbelievable. Really amazing. Really amazing.
0: I also think that locations, you know, places you've traveled to, places you want to travel to, those can spur some really interesting conversations or stir up some interesting conversations. One of the ways that you can kind of Boost that sense of self confidence is to think about a couple of these things before you go to the event or as you're traveling to the event. You might remind yourself of some of your own interests or some of the things that might be happening. Oh, Brady came out of retirement. I know you all probably groan, but Dan and I are still very excited about it. And, you know, things like that. The The reporter I was talking to from Vox said that, you know, she's a confident person and everything, but th- she'll get asked about her interests and just blank. And that's yeah. why we say, you know, preparing ahead of time. It might sound silly, but it's as simple as just saying, what are some things that I like? Oh, I'm a big go- I Like, I play a lot of golf. Um, I sometimes play tennis. I love horseback riding, even though I'm not, boy, I'm really listing club sports here, huh? Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, Gardens. like, I, these are things I want to do. Gardening is something I really, really love in Vermont. I really do. It's a big part of my summer. Um, and, and food. Okay. Wow. That I just thought of five things off the top of my head. And maybe I'll just focus on three of them as the things I'm going to try to remember. But just even taking a moment to go through that conversation in your head is going to prepare you really well. Dan, one thing that I always loved when I was going through the 1922 edition in prep for the centennial edition was that I found this great little section where Emily calls it going fishing. Mm
2: -hmm. And she
0: talks about small talk basically as going fishing. So whether it's that stranger who's sitting next to you at a lunch counter or it's a group that you're paired with at a wedding table that it's okay to toss a line out, toss a subject out. Hey, has anybody seen those web telescope photos? And you might get crickets, and that's okay. You might try a few minutes later to toss something else out. If you're really not getting anything back, then you know the people around you aren't interested in chatting, and maybe you move to a different group, or maybe for the rest of your commute, you're just going to listen to <coughs> your Awesome etiquette <Medicaid> podcast, <laughs> second drop. Um, But I think that it's worthwhile taking that spirit that Emily has of just throw a line out there and see what you get. And if you don't get anything, it's okay. Not every moment where we have an opportunity to engage in small talk is going to be one that results in a small talk talk conversation.
2: Lizzie Post, you have taken us to such an important place, which is your interest in other people. And ultimately, that is one of the most satisfying things that anyone can encounter in conversation is someone else who's a willing participant, someone else who's interested in what they have to say. And if you can figure out how to play that role in a conversation, you will be very successful. There's the joke that your father tells (laughs) When we're teaching um, uh, social etiquette for business mingling and it's – Jack was the most popular person at the party last night. Oh, yeah. Everyone loved Jack, right? (laughs) And everyone was talking about Jack and what a great guy he was. And I I wanted to know what what Jack was doing that made him so successful at the party. So I found him the next day and I asked him. I said, Jack, everyone was talking about you. What did you do last night? And he said, I went around and asked everybody about themselves. (laughs) that your 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 willingness to listen to be that ear and to be genuinely interested to 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 go fishing to ask a couple questions to put some topics on the table and then to to notice when you make a connection with someone or when you find someone who's also interested in sharing that you that you bring your listening skills and it's a combination of of fishing and participating and, and and putting some things out there and seeing what works but then playing that role that That can be so successful of of actually paying attention when someone does start to share or someone starts to respond and to not forget that very important role that you can play in a conversation even a light one that's a a getting to know you conversation
0: oh dan i'm so glad that you brought up that story it's one of my it is one of my favorites i can't believe i hadn't thought of it for this segment so i'm really glad you remembered it Audience, we hope that talking about small talk topics will help you to better engage this summer as you are traveling, getting your everyday lunch, going to wonderful weddings and big events, and engaging with other folks. We really hope that our postscript brings you a little bit more confidence on the topic of small talk.
1: Popularity, what is it made of? How does a person get to be popular with lots of people? And have a few close friends, too. Let's watch and see what makes people like one person and not another.
2: We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world. And that can come in so many forms. Today, we have a salute from Melanie.
0: Dear Lizzie and Dan, I am delighted to offer this salute to my friend Tim in Chicago. He played host to our group of three friends, two from the East Coast and one from London, over a long weekend in June. As a longtime listener of Awesome Etiquette, our experience that weekend highlighted for me the convention that a host's job is to make a guest feel welcome and comfortable. Tim went above and beyond. Immediately upon our arrival, Tim had our well-being in mind. He had snacks and beverages ready for our rental accommodations. He provided each of us with a public transit card, loaded and ready to use. Each day, he made sure that we saw different parts of the city and ticked the boxes of things that each of us wanted to do. He coordinated transportation around town and helped to arrange visits with additional friends in the area. We three agreed that our weekend was beyond spectacular. Please accept my thanks as well for your excellent work on the podcast and at the Emily Post Institute, bringing etiquette principles to life. With kind regards, Melanie. That sounds like a fun weekend.
2: Melanie, what an awesome host and what an awesome experience to have as a guest. You're inspiring me. I've got house guests coming and I'm thinking to myself, can I tick (laughs) a few of those boxes? I think I'm well set up, but I'm definitely double checking right now. Thank you so much for this salute.
0: And thank you all for listening today.
2: And thank you to everyone who sent us something and everyone who supports us on Patreon.
0: Please connect with us and share this show with your friends, family, coworkers, maybe even strangers, any way that you like to share podcasts.
2: You can send us your next question, piece of feedback, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute.
0: Please consider becoming a sustaining member of our podcast by visiting patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It really helps our show ranking, which helps more people to find awesome etiquette.
2: Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks,
1: thanks, thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. And Bridget.